0: Creating cultural awareness and understanding. This
1: is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we take a peek at the nightlife monthly event, Nerd Night Part 2. If you're ever curious about topics, or perhaps you're passionate enough to be called... Nerd. And look no further, as the bar with no name houses an event only the nerdiest of nerds call home. I'm Dylan Alzate, joined by the last speaker of the second half of Nerd Night today on Culture Click. After I finished my interview with Dr. Schwartz, I later talked to the organizer of this whole event. Uh, quick, state your name, Carl Firkenhoff.
2: Cool. And uh, what was your what was your talk tonight? Uh, so I am one of the Nerd Night organizers. I um, help uh, organized fine speakers for nerd night. And one of the things I did tonight is we ran trivia trivia for the nerds. Uh,
1: what interested you in doing this topic?
2: Uh, so nerd night, I always really enjoy. I've done things like this before and organized, uh, events like nerd night before. And I think having talking about nerdy topics, whether it's science, whether it's art, uh, out in the public in a, in a very informal setting like a bar is a great thing to do. Uh, how long have you been organizing nerd night? Uh, so, uh, We started Nerd Night in uh, five years ago. We had two years before the pandemic hit and then we just started last month uh, up again. So here in Winona, it's been five years. Uh, I ran Nerd Night for two years previously uh, in uh, upstate New York in Ithaca.
1: What advice would you give to fellow nerds
2: who are perhaps thinking of going up and speaking? Just have fun, be passionate. You don't have to be a great speaker. Uh, You don't have to have really any public speaking uh, experience. As long as you uh, share your passion, what you get excited about, what you nerd out about, it's going to be a great talk. Cool. Sorry, uh, what is your favorite color? Oh, purple. Um, Is cereal a soup? Ooh, that's an interesting question. It sounds like a Nerd Night topic. I'm going to go no.
1: Okay, okay. We'll be sure to record it, have it all captured. (laughs) Um... What has been your favorite moment uh, throughout your time uh, organizing
2: your night? I don't have one specific moment. It's just every time we get a crowd of people, listening to people share their their passions, Uh, it's just a great time. Cool, cool. And
1: uh, what can we do about the ever-growing boredom in society? Listen to KQAL 89.5.
2: All right, all right, all right. We're going to go right into our last speaker. Thank you, everybody. This has been a really, really fun night. Uh, Our last speaker has already turned our presentation table into a fairy wonderland. I
0: freaking love this little lamp already. Uh, She has a glass shop that is literally on the same block. It's like right kitty corner that way on second. You should all check it out. Uh, Give it up for Annie Grossart. Thank you everyone. I'm like really stoked that Several folks here this evening have taken classes already, so thank you all so much for your support. As a brand new business owner, I sure appreciate it. But uh, yeah, let's get let's get a little nerdy about about glass. So um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the molecular physics of glass. Before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of glass. I'm going to try not to go on too many tangents. The the facilitators said that we had a 20-minute fairly strict time limit, so I, I <laughs> tried to arrange my, my show accordingly. So um, yeah, let's let's just hop right into things. So again, my name's Annie. I've got rose-colored glass right over on the corner. Check it out if you're interested. We could do classes, sell smart, whatnot. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. So um, a little bit of a history of glass so glass uh, it, it, it dates back to um, Mesopotamia Egypt uh, as early as 2500. BC, so uh, Mesopotamia is modern-day Iraq, um, after it was originally developed and it was used for beads, so those those beads up there are not donuts, they're they're uh, early <laughs> glass beads, and uh, it uh, spread around Asia and Africa and Europe, each of the individual cultures kind of developed their own versions of glasswork. Um, and then it was innovated uh, to its fairly modern form in uh, around 1200 AD, so we're skipping forward uh, several millennia, but um, around 1200 AD, the uh, Venetians figured out how to make transparent glass, like fully clear glass, which was a a big deal in in the glass world. Um, And so they moved all of their glass production to the island of Murano, which was strictly prohibited that folks who worked with glass had to stay on that island. Eventually, of course, the word got out about glass. Um, so it began being used for bottled beverages. Once folks started carbonating uh, beverages, they began using glass as it was a good container to house carbonated beverages. So, you know, just a pertinent history in one. Uh, and then borosilicate glass, which we'll talk about quite a bit, um, was developed in the 1880. So, Borosilicate glass, uh, it's a hard glass used for Lab equipment, so it's a—it was a very exciting innovation in the glass world, and then um, again. Pertinent history to glass. I started glass work in 2011. So, you know, among the points of, of glass. So, um, all right. So what is glass? So glass is made up of three main components. So uh, soda uh, or soda ash, which is sodium carbonate. So it's the same type of material as washing soda. So anything like the, the Arm and Hammer Washing soda, same same sort of compound. Um, and then it's also made up of limestone, so same sort of compound as chalk and your tums. Uh, and then it's also made up of silica or sand. So sand is the main component of glass, and then we've got the lime added as an additional kind of variant in the glass. The soda is what adds the flux to Decrease the melting temperature of the glass. Um, in addition to that, other ingredients are added, such as boron, to increase the uh, hardness of the glass to make it more durable for various purposes. So, um, that's what that is down there. and We got a little gif of what it kind of looks like when when you're making you know lava in a in a furnace. So, uh, <laughs> from there, um, sorry, this like. It's real sensitive I keep on breathing so when glass heats up um so you know when you think about glass heating up you think about it melting but you might also think about you know some folks in here may have had some experience with glass getting a little bit too sensitive to the heat and shocking and breaking so this is obviously an intentional demonstration of thermal shock on glass. So when the molecules of glass begin to heat up, if there is not a uniform heat happening throughout a piece of glass, chances are good that one area is going to get hotter than the area next to it and it's going to cause a point of stress and eventually cause it to crack and break. Um, So that's one thing that can happen to glass when it becomes heated. Uh, it can also melt, which is what we do at our studio. We melt it intentionally and carefully to ensure that it doesn't thermal shock, um, or it will stay solid in in the case that you're not heating it to the point of it, you know, becoming molten. So when you're working over a Bunsen burner with a, a beaker, something like that, or putting your Pyrex pans in your oven, um, you know, it's going to stay solid sometimes. So what determines... That. So on to molecules. And I'm really trying to cover a lot in this short period of time. I'm just like really jumping around. So, so bear with me, please. Um, but speaking of glass, so the glass molecules on a molecular level are arranged in an amorphous pattern, which means they're irregular. They're more similar when glass is solid to a liquid than to a solid. So I've got a couple of um, pictures of, uh, you know, quartz. So, you know, like quartz crystal uh, will be arranged in a very particular pattern, because it happens in a particular way. Now glass, because humans are manufacturing it, is going to have some imperfections, some varying um, kind of connections between the different molecules of the material that you are uh, creating. So um, one other thing to be aware of before we hop into more of the molecular physics of what we're talking about tonight. So everything in the world has something called a COE or CTE. Is coefficient of thermal expansion. So that's the amount that a molecule of any material will expand or contract from other molecules around it as it's being heated up or cooled down. So that's how a material becomes liquid is by it being heated up. Those molecules expand. It becomes a liquid form. So um, the higher the COE, in glass, the softer the glass is, more brittle the softer it is, the lower the COE is going to be a harder glass, more durable glass. Um, so I have you know, again, a little gif down there, jif, or however you want to say it, of the way that (laughs) molecules expand from each other as they're being heated up. So as that temperature increases, those molecules begin to move in an increasingly irregular and further apart from each other sort of pattern. Um, And when you work with... Different types of glasses is very you know, apparent uh, in what you're doing. But something else to note is that different COEs cannot mix together. When you develop a glass, you have your uh, molecules of the various materials, your various ingredients that are intentionally bonded together so that you have a solid piece. You can't take various types of COEs and melt them together. So um, from there, we're moving on to our profiles all right so we're gonna talk a little bit and you know i thought it'd be clever because this is a bar to do you know tinder profile (laughs) style things but for anyone who hasn't seen tinder profiles this number 65 represents when this or the age of of this type of glass so I'm gonna talk about the two different types of glass that we work with at the studio here in town. So, the first type of glass is Moretti soft glass. It was developed in 1958 by the Moretti family in Murano, Italy, um, which was the island I talked about, so I got a little image down there. Um, So, The soft glass is the COE of 104. So that means the molecules expand times 104 as they become heated. So they expand quite far from each other. So they have quite a distance to travel back together before they stiffen. So I also have up in the top there, this isn't an accurate uh, actual physics representation of what happens when you melt glass, but I feel like it's a really good visual because the softer the glass, the further molecules move apart from each other. So the COE-104 is that pink block on the right. Um, so this type of glass, again, is a soft glass. So it's very sensitive to heat, it tends to be more brittle than harder glasses, Um, it's affordable but not cheap, Um, it prefers gentle, gradual heat, and it works well at low temperatures, and it prefers the smaller things in life, so it generally does better you know, when it's working in a smaller sort of um, shape. Um, and also with soft glass, because of the way the molecules are bonded together, this is just soda, lime, uh, and uh, silica glass. With that type of glass, you're able to pigment it to more vibrant colors than with other glasses that have additional elements. So that's the first type of glass we work with. In general, softer glasses are more brittle. Um, any large-scale blown glass or production glass is generally going to be on the softer end of the spectrum. Um, usually it is tempered so it's hardened on the outside to ensure that it has, you know, a low breakage likelihood. But you know, glass glass is always glass. So the second type of glass I wanna talk about is borosilicate glass. And to be honest, I was kind of disappointed today because I have children, and so I was doing my my presentation today. And uh, when I was putting it together, I was doing some research on Pyrex in particular. So Pyrex glass, um, historically, it was the same type of glass as borosilicate glass. So borosilicate was developed for laboratory equipment. It's a very hard, durable glass it has a coe of 33 so the molecules expand times about 33 as is heated up it doesn't get super runny even when it's at its most molten point it's going to stiffen pretty quickly when it's outside of the heat but that allows for you to have a variety of temperature changes pressure changes and the glass should in general sustain itself versus like that gif we had early on uh, of the pyrex container. So, the reason why I was disappointed, though, and this is a little bit tangenty, sorry guys, but so. I've always understood that Pyrex and borosilicate glass were the same thing. And so even in my classes, I've taught that like, your Pyrex bakeware is the same type of glass as what we work with in our classes. This is not entirely true anymore, because in 1998, they switched away from borosilicate glass, which is this hardened glass that's made to endure a variety of temperature changes, um, over to tempered soft glass, because it was significantly cheaper um, less than half the cost to produce. And so the way you can tell, and just, again, because I was a little bit bummed about this today, um, lowercase pyrex on your, you know, like any anything you buy in the grocery store these days, if you see it says lowercase pyrex, that's the newer pyrex that is tempered, soft glass, but uh, anything with the capital letters, any old uh, uh, Pyrex pans will be actually borosilicate glass. They're actually made to endure a variety of temperature changes, which is unfortunately, and there are lawsuits going on and whatnot because people have had pans explode in their ovens, Um, but at any rate, so if you go to an antique store, and we're in small town Winona, you know, big, big city sort of places, you might have a heck of a time, you know, finding you know, Pyrex, actual old Pyrex, uh, in, like, antique stores. But seriously, if you go to any of the antique stores around here, if you find Pyrex, actual old Pyrex, buy it up, because that stuff is is the shit, you know? And uh, so, at any rate, back to silica glass. So I have age of 143 because it was developed in 1880 by uh, Otto Schott out in Jena, germany um which i've got a lovely picture of it, it looks low-key like the driftless area except for with a few taller buildings um but uh yeah so borosilical glass is a coe of 33 it's a hard durable glass it prefers higher temperatures when it's being melted um it works well under pressure right so it's developed for lab equipment it's made to endure a variety of temperature and pressure changes um so it's really nice to use for like sculptural work is what i end up using in the majority of of, you know, I work with both types of glass, but honestly, if I'm going to make something out of glass, glass is already fragile, so I'd prefer to use something that is going to be more durable than than not. So, um, yeah, and often, often confused with Pyrex, but Pyrex and borosilica glass are unfortunately no longer the same. And yes, it is expensive, but it's worth it. Um, so, let's see. From there, um, just wanted to say we got a whole lot of different types of glass in the world, right? So bottled glass, um, any containers you buy, any, you know, like pint glasses you use, most of them are varying types of glass, but you can't melt the different COEs together. So that's why you can recycle, you know, your, your bottles, but you can't recycle like a pint glass or a wine glass if it breaks, because those COEs cannot melt together. But there are, you know, Tons of different types of glasses throughout history, throughout the world, throughout various cultures, all with their varying histories, um, characteristics, you know, applications, and it is just so stinking cool. So, um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Feel free to uh, check out our shop to learn more. We got a... Fancy website, social media, all that. I try to keep up on that. So yeah. Thank you so much. Any questions for Annie? Fabulous job. <laughs> we got a so, uh, couple back there.
2: I don't catch you.
1: Is this on? Okay.
0: So this might be basic. Yeah. But I saw one of your pictures had what looked like crystal balls. Um, what's the difference okay. between glass and crystal? So so crystal has um, lead added to it as well, which allows for things to solidify in a more crystalline sort of circumstance. Also just Disclaimer, I have zero letters behind my la- name besides in a degree in art. So like, this has all been experiential knowledge. So if there are physicists in the room that I get anything incorrect, I would love to be corrected. I really I really like to hear when I, when I understand stuff incorrectly. But at any rate, yeah. So generally, lead is added that kind of weights things down, and, and which is what causes it to become crystal. You said crystal, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so lead is what's added to, to glass to create that crystal sort of effect. Yeah, yeah, uh, we got one up here. Hi, Annie. Hey. <laughs> um, so, do you know?
1: I have kind of a two parter, and they're not related, so cool. I'm sorry, That's but okay. I have microphones. So feels like a power.
2: So, do you know much about like depression glass, like depression wear? And then the second question is like, does clarity have a factor molecularly, or is it, like, I mean, when you buy glass, mm-hmm.
0: you think about the Coe, but do you think about the clarity. All is it like? Yeah. A, is that like a? Is that even a metric, or is it just not like sort of a secondary thing? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like with with clarity, because of the innovations that happened in the twelve hundreds, it it's some compound of sodium that causes. Uh, all of the molecules fly in effectively so that it is fully transparent um, so uh, uh, but we're living in 2023 where that's all been like so and and that's why you know I feel very driven to continue sharing this glass art like less relish in the fact that our, our ancestors developed all of this technology and figured all this stuff out so that we can I can order just clear rods of glass instead of having to collect my sand and my washing soda and my ch- Talk and heat it all together, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, as a glass artist, I haven't really had to think about clarity much. That's just something that exists. And depression glass, do you mean, like, slump glass or...? Okay, so, like, kiln, kiln form, like, flat pieces of glass. So, yeah, like... What if you don't know the COE of things? I mean... Uh, if you don't... It's tricky, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't know the COE, it's, it's definitely risky to to melt your glass together. Um, you can do tests where you have a rod of something that you know what this EOE is and mix that with something you don't know what the C O E is and just test which type of glass is going to be compatible with but um, in general you don't want to make a habit of like melting just mystery glasses together <laughs> yeah. you'll end up with a performance piece rather than <laughs> something that'll last yeah
2: um, so, I, I learned stained glass from a guy who lived in town for a long time, and he he would repeat this one thing to me, and it was like a mantra. He he would say like, you know, never forget, glass isn't a solid; it's a it's a slowly flowing liquid. And I never really understood that. So, could you just say, is that like? A myth, yeah, somewhere in between.
0: So I mean, like honestly, in my research, it's been like somewhere in between because it it does solidify in this amorphous state, which is closer to the molecular state of what water or or liquid would look like. Um, And so, it remains in that state, but more recent research has um, pointed to that over time. um, In so. It only will continue to be liquid if it's ongoingly exposed to heat. So it honestly depends on the context that it's in. So if you're in a really hot region, your glass windows will eventually kind of start to melt down. But uh, over time, if it's in a space that's not hot enough to cause it to continue to droop, it. again, these are like theoretical, but they, they say it will become more of a crystalline structure over time. It will condense and compress versus what people have thought about because I've, you know, that's been a a thing and something that I've been ongoingly researching, but it's not there. It doesn't seem like there's like super conclusive evidence because windows do droop over time when they're facing the sun and whatnot. Um, So, you know, I can't, I can't give conclusive, like, this is a, so it's so it acts more like a liquid over time if it's exposed to heat. If it's not exposed to heat, then it tends to become more of a crystalline structure. The molecules kind of condense and compress over time if it's not exposed to heat. So it's kind of a, yeah, I mean, yeah, not a, not a super, super definitive answer, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I got one in the front right here. Thanks. Hi, we had a storm door that had one big, solid piece of glass in it, not pained. And we came home one day, and it was shattered into, like, it was shattered. Like, yeah. every ounce of it was shattered. We had the police out. There was no evidence ever of vandalism, yeah. and they said once in a while they just see this. So I was kind of curious about your Pyrex thing just shattered. Yeah. it was shattered. Like every ounce of it was shattered, not just a piece of it. Right. And so the thing is, is that when you heat and stress glass out, those fissures, like you have one point of stress, and that starts to create a fissure. But that fissure starts to create multiple other fissures. And each of those fissures creates multiple other fissures, and so it spreads any amount of stress. And so that amount of stress can be caused by maybe a bug like a big old bug flying too hard into your window or or you know the sun hitting the window at just the wrong point you know just like and like it can happen kind of over time where the molecules kind of like slightly droop slightly weaken and then it's just like the one thing it's like you know when you're washing a wine glass and it just shatters you know over time it can create points of stress and Uh, you know eventually it will and like I said those fissures creating other fissures like what happens in here because like you know he touches it just right here with this like probably metal rod but it spreads and each of those fissures creating fissures causes the entire thing to shatter so in general when glass breaks borosilicate glass tends to have a little bit more of a clean break, but if you have anything thin at all that's been blown out into um, a state that glass isn't necessarily like super comfortable, and and any older windows too might not be tempered, so newer glass windows will be tempered where they're they're hardened, they're solidified, Um, but older windows might not have that tempering process have been done to them and might cause them to be additionally, you know, yeah. Uh, We got one back here, here. Mine's a two-parter. Cool. Can you talk about the difference between the kind of glass that you use in your classes and the kind of glass that people may see on TV? Yeah, in the the Blown Away? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so folks have probably seen Blown Away, uh, the show, at least some folks in here. And if you haven't, it's basically Forged in Fire, but with glass, and it's like, but I haven't really watched Forged in Fire. I just know of it, and I've only watched Blown Away, and Blown Away is really cool and really exciting, and things break, which is kind of like, you know, just kind of like humanizing to the whole process, like realizing that glass artists go through things like breaking. But um, so... uh, The glass used in large-scale glass blowing is usually a COE of 90 or 96. So it's still a fairly soft glass, but it's not quite as soft as like the bead-making glass that we use in classes, um, because the, you know, like I said, the, the higher the COE, the more brittle the glass is. So in general, soft, soft glass, like COE 104, you'll use it in smaller applications, whereas something like, You know, if you're wanting to do large scale blown glass, you're going to want to use a slightly harder glass. It also just makes it more manageable to have something that's not going to be quite as runny when it's molten, um, but still stays malleable enough for you to blow it and pull it and twist it and snip it and all sorts of stuff before it stiffens back up into a solid point. So, yeah, the, the COE of large scale blown glass is closer to soft glass than hard glass but it is a little bit harder than, than uh, the soft glass that we work with for Beats. Yeah.
2: Thank you. My second part Two. is do you have any
0: classes coming up that are for like cute holiday animals or anything? <laughs> yeah. Oh it sounds like you know about something back there. So yeah I'm uh, you know I'm trying to keep things interesting you know I kind of have my standard classes but trying to make you know Seasonal classes, thank you, Ann, uh, for, <laughs> for uh, uh, just keeping things interesting. So we're doing a little peeps class. Um, so I'll be, I'll be posting this soon. It's not even listed yet, but we will be, you know, making... I'm just trying to, you know, kind of keep things interesting for folks. And once folks have taken classes, they can come back and do more torch work after the fact, when torch time. So I'm just trying to, you know, keep glass being accessible here in town. All right, we've got one more here. So along the lines of our lady here with the storm door, mm-hmm. we had an old, like, you know, 90s stereo set, big glass front yeah. on it, you know, cause you've got like things like right. this big, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So we, I was in our basement cause we'd moved, we weren't using it anymore. And I pick up this thing and it's got metal corners on each end and I move it, set it down, it explodes with a big pop, I, like, drop to the ground because I'm sure I'm in my basement getting shot out by I don't know who, but, like, what makes that happen? So if there was metal on the corner, yes. e- like, just even, like, setting it down, if there was enough pressure to cause, like, one of the metal bit. I mean, like, you know, there's no, like, I can't tell you for sure, obviously, because I'm not there, but, like, any any amount of, like, the tiniest amount of pressure and something like that is going to be so structurally stressed that's like square and thin and whatnot and so you know over time like I said the glass starts to become kind of a little bit more brittle and and those those corner edges if there is metal in them and there's like even the tiniest little like extra bit of pressure that's not applied elsewhere it can cause it to crack and then it's that fissure explosion and then it just is is done yeah 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 and seventh grade I had one of those light bulbs in my hand exploded and it yeah it made me realize physics were real so can I all right I think we got time for one more thing so I'm going to ask you as a last thing do you have a do you have a favorite... You brought a box of stuff. Yeah, Do you I have mean, a favorite thing from the box that you brought? Oh, boy. I mean, like, I just brought some... Uh, I have some cards and little, little uh, brochure-type things. I don't know. We did We did a frog-making class this past week, and, you know, you can't see them very well from out there but you know making little lifelike frogs um i i've got a guitar slide with me making guitar slides is really fun you can make varying thicknesses and you can give them some different shapes so they're really ergonomic um yeah i mean i don't know i don't have a ton in here that i'm like super stoked about i got some beads and stuff but i would just you know, stuff <laughs> this Stuff that's kind of up there. But um, this this lamp, we're, I'm pretty excited about our, our lamps we've been making lately. And they're made from driftwood that's just found down by the river. They've got a little push button switch and they're USB powered so you can plug them into your computer. Or we've had folks buy them for like their RVs to set on their dash. We have like a little silicone on the bottom. So, um, yeah, my husband and I put those together and they're just, you know, they're pretty, pretty cool and, and fun. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Let's have one more round Thank of applause you. for Annie. Thank you.
1: Once Annie wrapped up her discussion, I soon approached her for a brief talk. Uh, quick, state your name. Annie. And what was your talk about?
0: It was about the molecular physics of glass.
1: Oh you want to uh, quick give a rundown to those who haven't, haven't attended Durn Night?
0: Yeah. So I talked a little bit about uh, some of the history of glass and then I talked about the different types of glass. So there are harder glasses, there are softer glasses, and it has to do with the molecular makeup of the various types of glass. The harder the glass, the more durable it is. So borosilicate glass is for lab equipment, it's made to endure heat. Softer glass is more for like bead making and vases and whatnot, Um less to endure heat and pressure changes more just to be aesthetically pleasing. Right.
1: right. Yeah. Um, have you? What interested you in choosing this topic?
0: Um, I have been doing glasswork since 2011 and took a class kind of on a whim, but fell in love with it, and it really opened my mind um, to physics and to caring about um, the physics of the world around me, and it just really brought my attention to, to life in a way that... I'd never experienced before so I yeah I'm I'm very passionate about glass I have a glass business and
1: yeah Oh so you have an occupation all tied to this yeah, topic.
0: Yeah. So, so my full-time job is running my business. I run Rose Color Glass Studio in Winona. Uh, we do uh, classes. We have art. We're working on um, doing more gallery openings, stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's my that's my M.O. in life these days is doing glasswork. Nice. Yeah.
1: Have you discussed topics like this similar to uh, Nerd Night before?
0: Um n- no the only the only presentations about this topic i 've done have been at the classes that i 've taught in glasswork specifically so now this is my first time doing anything like this
1: cool. <laughs> cool well, what advice would you give to fellow nerds who would possibly be interested in going up on stage.
0: Yeah. Just be stoked about what you're into and you know, it's it's contagious. Your excitement about anything is going to get other people excited about it. So be be excited about what you're excited about and and do that to the fullest. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um Let me see. Is cereal a soup? No. <laughs> <laughs> um what? What can we do about the ever-growing boredom in society?
0: I mean, honestly, my best advice would be to listen to 89.5 KQAL, and that will conquer all boredom in today's society. Awesome.
1: Thanks again to our speakers as well as the No Name Bar for making this whole event possible. To find out more about future Nerd Nights, check out VisitWinona.com or follow their Facebook at NerdNightWinona. To keep up with all things Winona and the surrounding Midwest area, tune in to Culture Click, Thursdays at 1230, right here at 89.5 KQAL. I'm Don Lozate, keeping it nerdy.
2: Creating cultural awareness and
0: understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to
1: Culture Click.